Welcome to episode 15 of the Wicked Creative Collective. Today, Joe and I are welcoming a very special guest, Mark Metry. He is the host of the Humans 2.0 podcast, but he is also recently the best-selling author of the book, Screw Being Shy. Mark has also been featured in publications such as Forbes, Huffington Post, Inc. Magazine, and will very soon also be on Amazon Prime's documentary, The Social Movement. So welcome to the show, Mark. We're glad to have you. Ashley, Joe, thank you guys so much for having me. Looking forward to this from all people who are from Massachusetts. Thanks oh, for yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's actually the name, uh, the reason we named the show The Wicked Creative Collective. A yeah. Bit of a oh, yeah, oh, yeah. The, uh, Wicked Awesome. Wicked yes, Awesome, right. dude. Yeah. So, so Mark, what we're particularly interested in is, you know, your book dropped in March. And so we're really interested in you know, as a creator, you created this amazing platform with Humans 2.0. Where did the onus of, I have to write this book um, come from for you? Like, how did that get started? Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny because I was actually working on a totally different book and I was writing a book that was like ba basically based on like my podcast. I was going to do something that Tim Ferriss kind of did with his book, Tools of Titans, where like he broke down every guest and, and what he learned from them. And I'm, that's still in a project too, but it was probably towards like the middle end of last year where I remember I was speaking at this event in LA and the day before I, I spoke at this event, I remember I just couldn't go to sleep. And I remember, you know, I had this idea to write this book about, what I sort of went through, which I would call, you know, um, extreme shyness, uh, maybe being a little bit too introverted. Uh, every time I had to talk to somebody, my brain would just like melt and or freeze or oh, yeah. shut down. Um, and I was able to sort of climb out of that and just like be the person who I want to be, say what I want to whoever I want and just kind of live like my own authentic life. And I remember I was speaking at this event and someone came up to me and, you know, they came up to me, they were super quiet, um, you know, super introverted, super shy. And they asked me like, how did you go from someone who's like me to being able to speak on a stage uh, in front of a ton of people about pretty vulnerable things? And like right then and there, I just kind of realized what I had to do because, you know, there's a lot of books out there that are written like for introverts or people that like want to do better at networking events or people that want to improve like their social behavior or, and there's also books that have been written by like psychologists right. and doctors about social anxiety. But the method, the, the way that I sort of went about it, I hadn't really seen anywhere. And the reason why I really wanted to write this book was for a few reasons. So one, you know, there's a lot of issues that someone can have, right? Like just pick an issue. Right. But I personally think that social anxiety is probably one of the worst issues that you could possibly have in your life. And the reason why is if you can't talk to people 
then, you know, you can never ask for help. And mm-hmm. if you don't talk to people, then nobody knows what's going on. Right. And like, I got messages today from people that like I went to school with that say like, oh, you know, Mark, I had no idea this, 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 this was happening. My parents had no idea. Um, and so I just kind of saw this major issue going on in the world. And I was like, damn, I really got to make a solution for it. And then when I began to look out at the data behind this, you actually find out that social anxiety is the most common anxiety disorder in America. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it is, almost, it is also, out of all the anxiety disorders, the most heavily linked towards substance abuse and mm-hmm. social isolation, mm-hmm. both of which I kind of fell into. And the really interesting part is social isolation and substance abuse are both correlated with increased rates of suicide, mm-hmm. where I almost fell into as well. And so I just kind of began to look at the full picture of like, you know, sort of mainstream society's solutions for this is to just call yourself an introvert Mm. and just live a life where you don't really talk to people. And if you're doing that, you're probably not going to be in a job that you care about because that requires you to speak up. Right. You're probably not going to have that many deep, intimate relationships, Mm -hmm. which means that your self-esteem, your confidence will suffer which then will eventually lead someone to just socially isolating themselves, Mm -hmm. not having friends, or maybe like just playing video games all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, Or someone who uh, tries to uh, be the person they want to be. But oftentimes, you know, they go to a networking event, they go to some kind of a social gathering. And usually the first spot that that area or that person goes to is the the bar to get a drink to change (laughs) their state of mind or it could be i don't know like the dessert table everyone has their own sort of vice to to shift their mind right um and then it let's say if it gets really bad then you know you can go to a doctor you can go to a therapist and if it gets super bad you can call the suicide hotline all of those are are fine but the big glaring problem is that you know it's it's hard enough for like the average person Mm -hmm. to talk about mental health with someone else Mm -hmm. but with people that have social anxiety it's like that times ten thousand. and so people with social anxiety who have gotten their life to a point where maybe it's substance abuse social isolation they're not doing what they want to do they have no intimate relationships a lot of them end up killing themselves and right. nobody knows about it. It's sort yeah. of like an invisible problem that's unspoken. And so when I kind of saw like this layout of the land, I was like, I'm going to write this book to get this out there in the hands of people who are just like normal people like me, who don't want to read like a, like a science literature paper. And they also don't want to read stuff that is just going to give them like like shallow surface level tactics on like how to network better, or how to be a little bit more confident. So, and so I was like, I got to do this. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, 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 that's no, good. No, man, it was good stuff. So but what's great too, Mark, is that you have, you live in an age where you have the technology to tell your story. So, and, and the reach and so forth, if you have like a, you know, internet connection, you can tell your story because I went through a lot of the same things you went through when I was a kid, I was picked on, I was bullied. I wanted to end my life too because it, I, it was just overbearing how many how much kids picked on me. And being 47, I still have social anxiety, right? I don't trust people. I shy away at the networking events. Um, 
But when I get to know somebody, I don't shut the hell up. So it's kind of one of those mm-hmm. things. I'm like, yeah. are you shy? Are you kidding me? No, it is. He really because, doesn't shut up. Yeah, I don't. But she, <laughs> she's, still, she's still doing podcasts with me, by the way, just saying. But anyway, but the thing is, in all honesty about it, it's just you need to find, you know, I, I at 30 years old, I went to go see a therapist. So I knew I needed help in a lot of different ways. And it's helped me dramatically throughout my life the last 17 That's years, awesome. especially. And it's just a matter of like, all the adversity I had as a kid, it has helped me in a way get rape all the adversity as an adult, right? And how to deal with it mentally and all that from the layoffs and getting cancer and all that stuff. It, it's so important to hear people like yourself tell your story, my, me and Ashley, whoever has gone through things, because I know storytelling is like the cliche word, even though it's been around since the cavemen, but it's very important because people, your, your family, your friends, your wife, your, your husband, whatever may not really they say, oh, I know what you're going through. No, you don't, unless you actually went through it. You know what I mean? Right, so 100%. I just commend you for doing this and putting out this book because, like I said, I think of you like you are the, you know, 2000, uh, you know, 20 version of what I was back in 80-something, wherever it was, 87. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, applaud to you. Uh, that's great, man. Yeah, Thanks, and, man. I, you know, I, I think, it. Mark, it's an important distinction to make. So, you know, talking about social anxiety, this is mm-hmm. much more than I don't like being in crowds of people. I get really nervous talking to people I don't know. You know, when, when you say social anxiety, it's like your body is actually having like a visceral reaction oh. to being around groups of people or even around yeah. your own family members. Like it's physically uncomfortable to live in kind of this hell that your mind traps you in when you're suffering from social anxiety. Yeah. And, and you put it really beautifully, Ashley. And, uh, and, you know, if I were to back up here um, and kind of just define some terms. So a lot of people throw around the word uh, introvert. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you actually look at like the psychology definition of what an introvert means, it means someone who like the way that their brain works is they have a tendency to be more introspective and to focus mm-hmm. more on sort of the internal world, their thoughts, emotions, feelings. Um, and then also at that same note, you know, being shy is a totally natural human emotion. You know, if you're doing something new for the first time, if you're talking to new people, uh, you know, it's okay to, to be shy. Now, where social anxiety kind of happens is, you know, there isn't a, there isn't an exact sort of uh, cause to it, but we do know that people who have social anxiety it's not something random that happens. It's not like being born as an introvert or maybe being a little bit shy. Social anxiety oftentimes is like this psychological response that you have to the outside world. Um, You know, genetics for sure play a factor. Uh, Trauma plays a factor. Your health, your brain health plays a factor. The environment you grew up in plays a factor. And so essentially what happens is People with social anxiety, the way that I explain it is like, so you walk into some kind of like a room, you walk into a business meeting, you walk into a classroom and you sit down and, you know, all of a sudden you like look down at your shoe Uh and you see like a, like a three inch brown smudge on like the side of your shoe. And now your brain looks at that and it's like, oh my God, I have this smudge on my shoe. Right. If other people see this, they might think that um, I don't have enough money to buy new shoes. And they might think that my family is poor and all these Mm -hmm. other kids Mm -hmm. are not poor. 
And then, you know, at the, at the front of the classroom, you know, let's say like some random kid turns around to like talk to his friend and you guys accidentally make eye contact with each other. Now your brain is telling you like, oh my God, that person is talking trash about me to his friend and he hates me. And I bet everyone else is talking about me. Right. And so, you know, I, um, the way that I define social anxiety is from uh, uh, Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, actually from Boston University. And she defines it as a perceived uh, social deficiency in which you feel like you have to make up or compensate your normal behavior yep. or else people will somehow find out what it is that you're doing and judge you mm-hmm. and mock you. And Amen. so what will happen is in that wow. scenario, for example, you know, your mind will start to think these anxious thoughts and then your body will start to feel the signs of anxiety. You know, you'll start to sweat. Your heartbeat will start to race. Um, you know, you, you'll start sweating on your forehead, your armpits, your palms. And the really interesting part that happens is later on, if someone has social anxiety, and they walk into a room because their brain and body has gotten so conditioned to this feedback loop. Maybe their body will just automatically start feeling the signs of like physical anxiety. And when your mind sees that, then your anxious thoughts go. Mm -hmm. And so literally someone will be trapped in like this world, like this prison of where they could be a social person. They could really want to talk to people. They could be friendly, right? But their brain is not letting them. And it is like this trap that I got stuck in for like almost 10 years. And like the craziest part about it is when I like go speak at schools or even not schools, like at organizations, because I've lived through it for so long, my brain can just like uh-huh. instantly point out like who has it. And, and like, I might be a little bit biased. I might be judging, uh, but it is a very real issue that a lot of people face, but nobody can talk about. So, yeah. you know, it was like an experience at one of the orientations, in one of my last corporate jobs where there's hundreds and hundreds of people in this orientation and they just said, get up and go talk to somebody. And I'm like, what do you mean? Mm. <laughs> what do you mean? Just go up cold turkey, and just start talking to people. Like, dude, I literally just wandered around the room and just avoided. That's what I did. Cause I just, <laughs> cause I was just, I was, it was overwhelming. You know what I mean? Like, mm. what do you mean? Just how about give us a topic or something like, give me something. That's why LinkedIn for me, and I think public mm. speaking, and maybe you can attest to the same, has helped condition me to be better on video. So it's like building those digital, uh, making those digital icebreakers. So if I saw your video and then I met you at LinkedIn Local Boston, I already had a connection with you, right? right? It wasn't like cold turkey, who's the dude grabbing the extra finger sandwiches mm-hmm. at, the, at the table and stuff like that. But that, that helped me out a lot. And I had a, one speaking uh, engagement, one of the LinkedIn Local Bostons, and I, and I was like standing up and everybody was sitting on the, sitting on their uh, stool. And I was kind of, I got to stay because I can't sit, you know, but it was, oh, it, yeah. you know, you get nervous, but it was, it was a great learning experience. And that's what you got to do. Get out of your comfort zone. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what you have to do. Yeah. I mean, so there, you know, honestly, as someone who has like not dedicated my life towards this, but as someone who's like write a book about this, you know, there are, there are like, um, not, not shallow, but there are like surface level, Uh, tips, advice that I would give to someone. And then there are very deep things that I could give to someone that I don't want to use the word heal, but greatly, greatly uh, manage in the sense of like, you know, for example, when it comes to networking, you know, something that I've learned is that, 
you know, like to yourself, like to your point too, like if, if I'm not a speaker at an event, <laughs> right, I'll right. just, I'll just kind of come in. And to be honest with you, like my goal is, um, I always try to seek out other people who are introverted. That's mm-hmm. my goal. I always try to seek out people who are like randomly standing alone in a corner who look awkward. Like that's my number one goal. Why? Because I remember being in that same exact spot when I was younger. And then, you know, the occasional person or two would come and talk to me and I would realize that they're pretty cool people. And so like literally even, and even when I am a speaker, I still try to do that. Like the last event in January that we were talking about, um, I did that with like three people and, Mm -hmm. and later I got like two emails from them like a month later saying that they just kind of randomly came to this event and they were feeling super awkward and they had anxiety. And then after I came and talked to them, that gave them the vibe that people are much more friendly and they began to talk to people. I mean, so that's one. And then on the other like deep end, um, that I sort of discovered is so when you actually look at a lot of these topics, like mental health, for example, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, it's not just about, your comfort zone. It's not just about your mindset. It's not just about like the books that you read when it comes to mental health. Like it is essentially an accumulation of different brain chemicals being secreted by this organ that we call the brain, uh, different neurotransmitters being fired alongside the psychology that we have created throughout our lives that usually gets formed in the early part of our lives. And so I talk about this in my book, but when you look at these neurotransmitters, there is this one neurotransmitter in specific that is extremely important for social anxiety, and Mm -hmm. that is serotonin. Mm -hmm. And so serotonin is this neurotransmitter that has a lot of different functions in in our lives. It controls our mood, it controls our appetite, it controls our sleep, um, and it even controls how we function in social groups. And people who have social anxiety have some sort of a dysfunction with serotonin, Mm -hmm. whether it's their brain is producing too much or producing too little, or the receptors aren't connecting to the serotonin molecules. And one of the really interesting parts that I found in my research through just like going throughout my daily life, being able to speak to people who are scientists, neuroscientists, and even like tech billionaires who are like working with the government to help reinvent the healthcare system. They actually found out that um, most of our serotonin isn't even in our brain. And it actually turns out that only five, 10% of this neurotransmitter uh, that controls so much of our lives is in our brain. The rest, 90 to 95% is actually in this thing called the gut microbiome, which mm-hmm. people didn't even know about like 15 no, years ago. Sure uh, but like the ancient Greeks knew about it. And essentially it's like, it is this vast ecosystem of trillions of bacteria that mm-hmm. sit between our stomach and our intestines. And the oh, really right. interesting part is like, whenever you eat a food, Mm-hmm. Um, it actually, believe it or not, like our body can actually process a lot of like the normal foods that we eat, whether it's plants or meats. And it's really interesting that uh, human beings have actually been in this symbiotic relationship with like these trillions of bacteria that sit in our stomach that whenever we eat a food, they actually digest it first. 
and then they send off right. the chemicals, the after stuff to our body, our stomach to process. And so what they found is that if someone's gut microbiome is dysfunctional, that mm. can lead to so many issues, not just mental health issues, but also physical health issues as well. Right. And so for me, like in my book where I talk about this, I say, first my gut broke and then my brain broke. And I right, kind of talk about, sorry, sorry I was just going to, I was just going to say a lot of that is linked to, you know, hormones, uh, those, those microbiome are actually sending signals via hormones, which are then working with the neurotransmitters in your brain to output different physiological reactions. And so that's yeah. really what's going on there with. Yeah, that's exactly right. And like, there's this, uh, there's like, there are nerves that directly connect, directly connect our gut to our brain. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I was saying before is like, the one time in my life where I was suicidal, and I was depressed was also the only time in my life where I was pretty obese. And right. I was just binge eating food from junk food to alcohol to all the stuff. And, um, you know, some of us are more sensitive to it than others. You know, that's why I'm glad that my body kind of broke when I was 18, because mm -hmm. some people, this doesn't happen to them until like they're right. 30 or whatever, right. depending on their genetics. And then they begin to get these issues. And then once they're older, it's much harder right. uh, to change. And so, yeah, I mean, a lot of this stuff is like on the cutting edge of science. You know, they call it like Harvard calls this uh, nutritional psychiatry. And it's really like this emerging field where people are finding out like there are like real practical functional things that you can do. And so, yeah, at the top level, there are some networking tips at the bottom level. It's about like your biochemistry and what's going on like underneath the surface so, under right. your hood. So Mark, I, I didn't even know that. Honestly, I've had ulcerative colitis since, I, since I've been, Jesus, 12 years old. So I never knew that that could yeah. be part of why I've had issues. And then I've had my thyroid completely removed. So I now I'm on thyroid medicine. So I know that regulates a lot too. And I don't care what drugs out there is never the same as the natural thing you had. Right. So no, that's just, that's kind of uh, I never thought about that connection between well, your dude, digestive tract and that. Well, dude, I'll tell you this, this is really interesting. Right. So when I was like 11, mm -hmm. yeah, like around 11, when my, um, when my kind of, uh, psychological trauma and social anxiety began. Right. I also got diagnosed with a ton of other physical health issues at that 11. same exact time, like wow. asthma, uh, appendicitis, issues with Jeez. my gastrointestinal system, wow. my yeah. skin, insomnia, bladder. And so what I've learned now is all these things are connected, every mm -hmm. single one of oh, these. Yeah. And like the two major sources of your gut microbiome being dysfunctional, number one is uh, chronic stress. Uh, that can happen due to trauma that can happen due to, uh, a series of dramatic events, you not really developing the right kind of stress coping mechanisms. Um, and then also the number two cause of chronic stress that a lot of people don't know is your dietary choices. Yep. Um, and so both of these things kind of come in and these are the two leading causes of why someone's gum microbiome is dysfunctional, which can lead to not only physical health issues, but also mental health issues, even like suicide too. So it's so, super interesting. So, so during this, we'll use every word that they use on TV, unprecedented time, um, that like now more than ever, it's very important to things like you said that you have a, a good, like my family, like we're, eat, we're evidently at home, we're not going to restaurants and all that. And I dropped like yeah. almost 10 pounds, dude, during this thing, believe it or not. Right. And I still have my pop tarts here, my ice cream and some of my craft beers and all that. Mm -hmm. But the thing is I'm working out, I'm going out and taking walks. So I'm in the yard doing, I'm, 
I, I have to keep the brain kind of busy because what I oh, told yeah. Ashley this, what I just went through, so I've been furloughed for three weeks. So when I was working for that month during all this, it was, I didn't have time to think about what was going on. I was right. just so into my work. But when I came off this, it's like I had to find things to do, right, to keep my mind busy. What happens is then I start going down the rabbit holes on Facebook about the COVID-19, getting into arguments about <laughs> politics. And it honestly gave me anxiety, dude, to the point where yeah. I was telling Ashley this. I was getting like, not like heart attack, chest pain, but just pressure in my chest for days after days after days. And I would just have to literally like calm myself down and just, so in the last three days, I just shut it off completely. I have not gone to it and I feel better. So do you feel that that, you know, any tips or, or things you go for people going through that right now? Because it just seems like information overload is just like crushing people. I mean, it really is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of different things, right? Um, so for example, you know, I, I personally, myself, I definitely feel like I've been stressed out over like the last week. Mm-hmm. Um, some things due to myself, some things due to, like I said, I'm staying with my family. And, um, mm-hmm. and like the really interesting part is like, there are these things in our brains called uh, mirror neurons. Yep. And yeah, I mean, they've, they've done studies on this where like you take two people that have spent a lot of time together and like their brain cells, their neurons are firing in the same exact way together. Right. And so there's like the whole kind of like, if one person is anxious, if you guys are in a, a confined space, like it's contagious, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and so there's that. Um, and so, and then there's also, I think a certain level of um, just like compassion that needs to be had for all of us. It's right. like human beings are not meant to, uh, to stay inside all day no, no. Um, at all. No. And, um, and like, what I would say is like, uh, as much as possible, if you can go outside, then do it, you know, like on the warm days here, I've like been taking my iPad in my office. I've just been sitting outside. Mm -hmm. I try to go for a walk Mm -hmm. like twice during the day, once in the middle or once in the morning, once in the middle, of course I work out, um, eating healthy, all that stuff helps meditation. But honestly, I think the biggest thing that comes to mind right now, that's really helped me is this thing I talk about called uh, flow in my book and uh, flow is essentially like it's, it's the state of mind where you kind of lose your sense of self where you're in the present moment and you're super focused on what it is that you're doing. And you like look up at the clock and you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe an hour, you know, just passed or two hours. You know, it happens to me every time. I'm on a podcast, I'm at a speaking event, I'm writing. And so Mm -hmm. everyone is different when it comes to flow. Some people get into flow when they exercise, right? Some people get into flow when they have like a really engaging conversation, a really deep conversation like I do. Some -hmm. people get into flow when they're cooking and they're just sort of like in this peaceful state. Some people get into into flow when they're washing the dishes. Um, and, and, uh, and if you want to learn more about this, I, um, I break this all down in my book into 19 different triggers that someone can find to find flow for themselves. Because like, honestly, that's the biggest thing. And they've even shown studies that show people who don't get into a state of flow, the part of their brain that is like always watching, always judgmental, always Uh criticizing that does not shut up. But when you're in flow, it like takes a little break. Yep. And I so, a, yeah, sorry. I was just no, going to okay. say, you know, you know, I've found a lot, I have, I have anxiety myself and really just for the past two to three years of my life, I've actually decided to like own it and lean into it and do something about it. 
And so one of the things that I, you, you mentioned feedback loops earlier in the episode, mm-hmm. and this kind of plays into that in terms of how can you kind of help your brain get into a state of flow, right? Because mm-hmm. if your brain is always just on and right. receiving and thinking and reacting, how can you possibly possibly get into that flow state? And for me, it's been really learning how to reprogram some of the inputs that I'm actually allowing to get into my brain. So it's, it starts with an awareness of my current state. Like where, where am I at? Like, am I breathing heavily? Am I clenching my, you know, my, my fists? Am I Mm -hmm. shaking my legs? Do I seem physically anxious? But then also, you know, those intrusive thoughts start to come in where, oh, everybody's looking at me. Everybody's thinking about my shoes. And it's really what has helped me to kind of shut out some of the noise is, is recognizing those thoughts and being able to kind of like receive them for a moment and then like send them back out and just kind of like not give them room in your thought life. Yeah, that's super interesting. And, um, and and yeah. And so two things I would say to that is one, um, you know, the, how do I say this? Um, One of the things that I've learned is that, you know, there is absolutely a time to, gain awareness over your mind, like what thoughts are going on. You know, that's why I, like, I know personally for me, like if I'm ever feeling stressed out or if I just like wake up and I'm like freaking out for whatever reason that I don't necessarily know, mm-hmm. I find that my mind moves way faster than my body or, or life yeah. does. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the times, like going back to Joe, what you said of like the example that you gave of like when you were at work and you were doing these things for a month and all of a sudden you stopped. Now your brain was sort of like processing what was going on. Right. And for me, I do that just by like trying to write down my thoughts. And so a lot of the times our brain, for some people, our brain is moving so fast that we don't even know what's going on inside of our brain. We might have like this idea. And so for me, I try to write those thoughts down. I try to journal them. And then the other, the flip side of this too, is that I've also learned the power of like, not like realizing that sometimes you can't defeat a thought with a thought in the sense of like, you know, your, your inner critic, the brain is like the master of your life. It knows everything about you. It it knows way more about yourself than you do. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is like the average person has 60,000 thoughts a day. Mm. Some of those we know about, some of those we don't know about. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I catch myself where my brain is just like, it's just giving me thought after thought after thought after thought. Right. Uh, I have an awareness over it, but it's, I, that doesn't really do anything. And so then it's the spot to um, leverage something outside of your mind to Mm. gain control over your mind. So Mm. for example, one of the best, easiest, simplest scenarios of this is your breath. So for example, if you go on Google right now and you type in like breathing exercises for anxiety, if you do those literally in two minutes, the thoughts that you had is, are just going to fade to the background. Right. And, and then like, you can do this with exercise. You can do this, um, with meditation. You can do this with, um, uh, creativity with art. Um, mm-hmm. and so sometimes you just need to get up and just literally change your physiological state. Cause often when you do that, then your brain will sort of calm down. You might enter into a flow state 
and it almost kind of like resets. You almost like give your brain a wash. So I think you have to have both of those angles of like, yeah, you got to gain awareness of your thoughts, but then sometimes you just got to say, screw it and get outside of your mind to do something different. So yeah, and there's all these tactics that they, they talk about, like, you know, sucking on a piece of ice or like anything that's going to, or using like eating a really minty piece of lemon, lemon, certain things that will help just ground your mind into that present moment. So I I think like for, for instance, music for me is like kind of my break glass, you know, break glass, get to a better place kind of thing. And now that there's no live music, which is a huge outlet for me, like I love going to shows. Mm. And I, it's been over years since I've gone to one. And, but that is like kind of my safe haven even when I was a kid to where to go. So I'm surrounded mm. by music constantly. I take it outside in the shower. My wife's like, hey, why do you have to listen to music all the time? Well, because it puts me in a good mood and a good spot. You know, I could be listening to, I was listening to Usher yesterday and I could go to Metallica within seconds. And it's crazy because people, but I was out there, you know, doing yard, I got in a flow, right? So that's, you kind of have yeah. to find your, I guess you have to find your spinach if you know who Popeye is, right? The old cartoon, right? That's kind of your, you have to get that kind of kick of adrenaline and the kick of just getting focused yeah. and getting the bad thoughts out of you, right? The en- negative energy is crushing. We know that, but there's outlets where you can get rid of that, right? Actually, right? There's ways to get rid of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Yeah, my kids, my kid has been in here like four times since we started ah, it's recording. It's hard like to deal here. This is sense- quarantine podcast. Let's yes, go right. Corona that's world. Right. But, you know, Mark, that brings up an interesting, so, you know, obviously you're in the, the space of mental health. You've, you've dropped like a, a lot of great information about how somebody can help to help manage and realize the state of their, their physical and mental health. I'm curious how you as a human experienced going from creating a podcast, which is one kind of medium, and you got very comfortable and were obviously very successful in that medium, to now I'm going to sit down and write a book. And I'm assuming you have, pro- you know, you self-published the book, correct? Self-published. Yeah. Yep. Oh. And just, you know, and knowing what I do know about you, you clearly probably put some kind of deadline or some kind of accountability tool in place for you to finish that book. So how was that experience of going from shifting from one medium to the other? And, you know, was that difficult, easy? Like, how did you find that? Yeah. So, um, so as a human, uh the experience that i've had just like on my journey of starting my podcast and talking to people and and uh, and doing that that's been great and it's led me to just doing so many different things right and it's like you know through my podcast like i don't even know how many episodes i'm sitting at now i think it's like 550 wow. or something like that and wow. um you know a lot of a lot of people who i interview are like the world's top leaders um some of these people have become my friends and or, or business colleagues. Mm-hmm. And um, when you, when you begin to do that, it completely shifts your mind in the sense of like, if I have a hundred friends who have, who are all authors who have all written books, it's pretty easy for, yeah. I mean like just in terms right. of the belief, right. it, mm-hmm. it, it gets pretty easy. However, um, writing the book was probably the worst thing I've ever done in my life, to be honest with you. Yeah. It was, it was so brutal. Um, I had to rewrite it like three times. Uh, there are so many stories I can go into, but, um, but ultimately it was one of those things where it was like, I would wake up, I would try to put myself in a state of flow to write this book. And then like an hour, two hours later, my brain would tell me like, 
bro, this sucks. <laughs> like, what are you even writing? Sabotage. Here we go. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'll like, and I'll like go back to like the beginning. And some of it was, was valid too. Like I went back to like the beginning of my book from when I had first started and I was like, what third grader wrote this sentence? <laughs> you know? And so it was like this crazy process where it was honestly just like taking pieces of myself, getting objective about it, running it through other people. People tell me this sucks. This doesn't suck. And so, yeah, I mean, it is a real brutal process. Like I, um, I'm actually in the process right now of uh, coming out with like a different edition of my book, like trying to update it. Uh, so I've added a lot. I've oh, wow, removed good. some. I've edited some, um, and then it's gonna be on hardcover when it um, when it launches again. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's brutal. I don't recommend it for anyone. <laughs> like no, the, the only you, thing that got me through this was just the fact that I was like, "There's no book like this that exists." Uh -huh. There are potentially millions of people who were just like the 14 year old version or the 18 year old version of myself that need a solution that need help. That was like probably one of the few things that just kept on getting me going. So when they say, when they say, and you get all these things in your inbox, it's so easy to write a book. Well, that's complete crap. <laughs> it's, it's not easy at all. Right. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know how could I write hundreds of pages of anything. I don't know how I could even do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I it gets easier. Right. So like yeah. the fact that I've been like the fact that I'm a marketer, and the fact that right. I at least Water, know how to okay. somewhat write copy, right. the fact that I've been writing like every day, like personally in my own journal, and then in also journal, like on right. LinkedIn, writing articles, that stuff has made it easier, right. but it is still extremely, extremely hard. And um, yeah, if I were to do it again, I honestly would have an entire team behind me. Like I yeah. would have one person researching, I would have one person um, obviously like I had an editor and stuff, mm -hmm. but it's, it's a very, not complicated, but it's a very large project. So, so yeah. it's interesting. Can I, Mark, so I'm very interested on how, cause your, your book came out in March and that's when the world went to hell. So how did you pivot? Like just to talk, how uh, to promote the book, how to get it out there. Cause I'm sure you're going go to go to speaking engagements and tours and whatever. And that all got completely, you know, derailed. How have you pivoted? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's super funny. So literally the day that everything shut down is the day that my book launched. Ah, <laughs> March 14th, that wow. Saturday, ah. when everyone declared a lockdown and all this stuff and whatnot. Um, so that was crazy. So crazy. Um, and so, yeah, so for sure, like I had, a, I had a TEDx talk. I had events for my book. I was going to do some signings and stuff like at um, the Barnes and Nobles and stuff in Boston. Um, all that stuff, obviously, uh, is not going to happen. Uh, some of it got uh, postponed. Some of it got canceled. Right. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you can't really control that. And so, you know, one, I'm super grateful that I didn't write a book on, like, let's say marketing. Yeah. <laughs> because I right. knew that, like, if I wrote a book on marketing and I just tried to promote it during this time, everyone would be like, dude, what are you even, right. like, this is not the time yeah. to do it. Right. And right. so I'm grateful that my book, is 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 basically connected to you know what i see a major issue of what's going on today in terms of just like you know people's mental health yeah. uh, when people are quarantined it you pr usually makes it worse uh -huh. um and so i'm grateful that my book was at least relevant in that no, way no so that yeah. i could but then however the other piece of it is like part of my book is like hey go out there and talk to people, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and so that part is, um, is a little bit tricky. 
Uh, and yeah. so, yeah, it's, it's been a, such a, such a weird time. And to be honest with you, it still feels weird whenever I try to oh, yeah. uh, promote it in that you sense. You feel bad but, almost. You feel almost bad, right? Because you're trying to, yeah. you know, but you, you can't. Yeah but, but, I, yeah, but like, I'm grateful that like my book actually tells people like how they can help their, their right. selves with mental health. So it's, so it's related in that sense. And, uh, and then for all I know, like maybe the book has done better because yeah. of the time that it came out, you know, like maybe Blessing the fact that disguise. it's a bestseller. Well, yeah, I think I have no I, idea. I think the important part too to note here is like, regardless of how the book does, like you as a brand will be fine because right. y- like the book is one piece of what you're putting together as a brand. And so I'm just super interested, you know, all of these things, these people that you've talked to, I mean, you've talked to, you know, Tom Bilyeu, you've talked to Seth Godin, like you've talked to people who us as marketers or, you know, just anybody who has eyes and ears nowadays are you know, seeing the influence of some of these folks. So what's particularly interesting to me is that you went from this person who was super shy, um, suicidal at one point, to being somebody who has spoken to all these influential people around the world. And none of this happened by mistake, right? So there's this sense of creating your own luck that people talk about. So I'm really Mm -hmm. interested to hear from you as a person of how did you go about kind of creating this momentum for yourself yeah. and getting the opportunity to speak to some of these people? Yeah, that's a great question, Ashley. So in 2015, that's kind of like where I had like my rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And in 2016, I, I still didn't exactly like gain clarity over mm-hmm. my life, but I was just like, let me try to learn. And I remember I spent that summer just like trying to read every book uh, I could. I, I remember I... um took a trip with my family back to Egypt. And that kind of gave me a lot of perspective on like what my parents had to do to come to this country and the sacrifices. And so that really reminded me of like, yeah, did you only get one shot? Like you have an insane opportunity. Like there's billions of people out there who don't have the opportunity that you have because they just so happen to be born in a different country or whatever X factor. Um, and so at the end of 2016, that's where I really began to, and I, I was always an entrepreneur throughout my whole life, but at the end of 2016, that's where I began to really get serious about like my own personal growth. Like every day I would like wake up at this time, I would meditate, I would read this, I would write down this, I'd go to the gym. Uh, I started eating completely clean, no junk food, no alcohol. Um, and so I began to pick up a lot of momentum in that sense, which gave me the energy to become an entrepreneur and actually start a business. And then in 2017, that following year, um, I was just like on my journey. And I remember I had this moment in like the middle of 2017 where I got this idea to start my podcast. And I was like, I was like, listen, I'm still having issues in my life. I'm still having problems. Those haven't gone away. You know, some of them have gone away. Some of them have changed. Some of them adapted, but I don't have answers to those solutions. And so for me, starting my podcast was, um, was, um, you know, honestly, not so much like branding or marketing. It was just like, Hey, how can I get access to the best experts in the world? Right. And so as I did that, I remember I started it, didn't really take it that seriously, would do an episode like every once in a while. And then at the beginning of 2018, that's where I really began to realize the opportunity that I had. I began to look at other people who had podcasts and I was like, man, nobody in this industry is taking it seriously. And the people who are taking it seriously, everybody knows about them. Like Seth Godin, like Tom Bilyeu. And so beginning of 2018, 
I went super hard into podcasting. I began to put it on like a regular schedule. Also at that same time, uh, I also met this guy named uh, Quentin Allums, yeah. um, oh, who cute. you guys know. Oh, yeah. he, ta- he, he told me about LinkedIn. I got into LinkedIn. That began to help me grow my podcast. And, um, and then my podcast began to take off. And um, then you start to get noticed by people. And then like great people start to reach out to you. Um, uh-huh. And so, yeah, I mean, it's been like this crazy journey. And, and all in all, it's just super interesting to look at because like when I go back, like when I look at my podcast episodes from episode one to episode five to 50 to 100 to 150, mm-hmm. it's almost just like, there was just like a different version of myself who was yeah. there in every episode. And like, yeah. when I go back, I can hear him. And it's just like, it's like one of like the most surreal um, feelings, uh, feelings ever. But eventually it was just like me getting super serious about yeah. my podcast. I remember in the summer of 2018, I was like hustling super hard. I eventually made my podcast like daily. That's when Seth Godin came on my show. That's when a lot of other people, that's when Apple put my show on the top 100 um, and a lot of other things too. And so I kind of saw like this window for myself of like the same way that I honestly saw a window, like when it came to my personal life of like Uh in 2015, I was like, man, I'm suicidal. I'm obese. I'm depressed. I'm socially anxious. Uh, I know that this problem is going to get worse if I don't tackle it right now. And it's going to lead me to, you know, even let's say if I do want to change it and I'm 50, I'm not going to have that choice. I kind of saw a similar approach, but with my podcast, I was like, you know, I'm a young guy. This is like a chance that I sort of have to really start to build up my career and at least, you know, not exactly know what I'm talking about, but at least build some kind of a foundation, build some kind of a vehicle that can move me forward. And I mean, that's led me to and I call everything that, that I have today. I call that concept like pulling the thread, right? So it's like you get this thread. Mm. And, and so you've got this thread of the podcast and you just you decided to just like give it a rip. And then all of a sudden you realize it's attached to this like giant oriental rug and the, and you're just all of a sudden <laughs> pulling all these threads out. But, but every, you know, every time you decide to pull that thread, you don't really know what's going to happen. You don't really know what the outcomes are going to be, but you're picking things up. You're learning things in the process and you're again, creating your own luck somewhere along the way. You've just got to learn to realize opportunities as it comes in and just pivot yourself to where you need to be to continue to just pull those threads in your life. So, and I love that. I, I, Mark, I also think a fabric of people that have gone through adversity and gone through a lot of things in their life, they just have this innate, innate thing to just want to help people mm-hmm. because you've been there. I mean, I just feel that I, I, I don't like to see people in pain. I don't like to see people unhappy. I always try to, because you've been there, you've been in those, those dark spaces and you don't want anyone else ever to go there. Uh, I actually know the story. There's a bed and breakfast that we go to with my family for eight years. They were, they were on the brink of losing it because of what's yeah. going on. And I just basically oh, gave yeah. them some advice. I go, reach out to your, 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 you know, reach out to your customers, reach out to your repeat customers. Don't have any pride right now. This is survival. And they, they yeah. ended up following my, uh, following my advice ended up $9,000 and that actually That's helped awesome, them. Dude. You know what I mean? So, so I think you're, I think you're cut from the same cloth. They actually as well. I'm like, we've been through, I'm going to swear on our first episode shit <laughs> in our lives. And I just think we all, and you do a lot of that with your, with your book and with your podcast and what you're speaking. Uh-huh. And yeah. Your stories need to be heard because if, you know, one, one person hears it, that means there's probably 20 other people that haven't and need to. 
Do you know what I mean? And I think, you know, yeah, the, the one theme sure. that you tend to touch on a lot, Mark, is like, okay, so when you first started your podcast and you had these kind of, you started to get bigger and bigger name people, you know, in, for example, when you first, first kind of got some of those opportunities, those people really owed you nothing and probably had not a lot to gain from, from being on your show or working with you. Oh. And it's, it's not because anybody really has any inherent value here, but in terms of, you know, all you did differently than somebody else is you just made the ask, like you made the ask and you threw it out there and you made yourself vulnerable and willing to, uh, you know, get a no or a door slammed in your face, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I also think, um, you know, Joe, what you're saying about adversity, I also think it's, uh, it's anxiety, right? Yeah. And so I, like a lot of people think that, and you know, there are like certain anxiety conditions, for example, but a lot of people think that, anxiety is just like this thing that certain people have. And the reality is, is that anxiety is actually a, uh, an accumulation that is a response due to uh, an emotional problem. And the reality is, is that, I mean, everyone has anxiety to some degree. And the truth is, is like anxiety is, if anything, is what has made me successful. Right. Like the fact that I have like this thing in my brain, that's like, Hey, you got to do this. <laughs> you got to do that. If you don't do this, you're screwed. Of course that, you know, there's a, there's a, it's a double edged sword. Right. And so if you don't manage it, if you don't learn about these things that can help you manage it, whether it's through breathing, proper sleep, eating meditation, whatever, then yeah, it could destroy you the same way that it almost destroyed me. Mm -hmm. But if you're able to harness that, it can be one of the most powerful, oh. powerful tools. And like oh. the reality is, is like, yeah, for sure. Like I did just make the ask, but, um, you know, something I always say is like for every one person that says yes, there's like 99 people that say no. And yeah. so like, there were so many times where people told me, no, there were so many times where people said yes, and then they canceled or they didn't show up. Um, and so the reality is, is like, I just have like this, this fire in my belly that could mm -hmm. be anxiety that a lot of other successful people have, but they're able to harness it into yeah. making that podcast into starting that business into making this project with their family. And so mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that's what it's about. And like, that's really what I've learned, like through doing my podcast, like whether it's, of course there are some exceptions, but whether it's Seth Godin or Jay Shetty or whoever, all these people still have anxiety. They have just learned ways to harness it right. for right. good and not let them, not let it eat themselves alive, which it will if you let it. So yeah. that's the main thing that I would say. No, good point. Yeah. And you know, that actually segues in my next point. I was supposed to ask you this in the beginning of the episode and then just <laughs> so excited to talk to you, just jump right into it. But so we always start every episode with kind of a round table of like, what did oh, yeah. you learn this week? And so I can actually, <laughs> I can actually start with something very simple. I learned that I truly need to lock my office door every single time I come in so that my <laughs> six year old doesn't interrupt me while I'm recording right. episodes. So that's, that's one thing I learned today in this moment. Uh, I'll go then I'll let Mark go. Uh, what I learned is uh, basically, even though we have to be physically distant from people, doesn't mean we have to be socially cut off. I was told by my therapist, cause I'm going on anxiety. He's like, you can see your friends, just make sure it's from a, a safe distance. Like if you do passenger side, the passenger side in your car, like I meet my friend today, we're going to a brewery for pickup and then we're going to get in a parking lot, like back in high school and be separated mm -hmm. by, you know, <laughs> and drinking a beer. Hopefully the uh, police department doesn't give us a hard time, but you got to do what you have to do in any way just to get through, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, honestly, it's been a pretty long week, so here goes nothing. Um, <laughs> what I've really learned is that um, as an entrepreneur, um, one thing that I don't like is things that I, I can't control. Um, and so, for example, like this pandemic, you know, a lot of uncertainty, but honestly, I'm, I'm used to a lot of uncertainty, right. just going throughout my life, mm-hmm. being, mm-hmm. uh, coming from immigrants, always moving around, I always live with that uncertainty. But what I mean is like, when it comes to the people that we love the most, when it comes to being vulnerable with these people, whether it's our family or a significant other, uh, there's a certain level of vulnerability that you can't really control in a relationship. And oftentimes, like I know myself as an entrepreneur, you know, I have to like come up with this plan to do this, this and that. But when it comes to things that are not that black and white, like love relationships, um, you can't exactly take that same approach. And so, yeah, um, yeah, so as a 22 year old boy, um, it's been a pretty interesting week. Thanks for asking. I think it's, I think it's really, uh, you know, that's one thing that we've all kind of learned, I think, collectively as a society, or we're learning. I shouldn't say we have learned it. I think that we are all learning now what it is truly like to, one, be alone with our thoughts, mm-hmm. and two, what it's like to really be in, in um, social situations with our family members that we have been able to kind of avoid or right. ignore no uh, for a long time. And I think that it can be a kind of pressure cooker of, of dynamics that are happening. I think it's good, you know, it clears the air in a lot of ways, but I think in a lot of ways it causes, and again, it's what you do with that kind of, all right, I'm in this situation. How do I learn how to, you know, talk to my spouse, parent, child, whatever. So, so, so we're going to go with the last one. This is what you're geeking out on. Uh, I'll go first and we'll go Mark and then we'll go to Ashley. I'm just going to kind of go with the screen. So I'm geeking out on the Last Dance documentary about the 1990s Chicago Bulls. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not an NBA fan anymore, but back then with Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and Michael Jordan, I was a major fan. But what it's, even if you don't like sports, it's a very interesting watch because it talks about how egos can destroy greatness. Whereas hmm. the GM of the Bulls, Jerry, I think Krause is his name, uh, Kraus, just destroyed that team because he just didn't want Phil Jackson as the coach anymore. The Michael Jordan is like, I'm out too. And just the, if you ever want to see a leader, just watch Michael Jordan. It's it's unbelievable what he what he did. But that that's what I'm geeking out on. It's just a great watch. So go ahead, uh, Mark. Uh, two things, if possible. One is um, I'm actually going to start working on a cookbook. Uh, I no love way. cooking. Nice. Yeah, I love no cooking, way. and I want to teach people how they can actually make. Uh, healthy food and specifically for what healthy food, depending on what they're facing. So for example, like in my Mm. book, I talk about certain foods and the different health benefits Mm -hmm. behind them that can help someone with anxiety. And so I want to write a cookbook that shows people how do you cook healthy food um, that actually tastes good, that doesn't taste like healthy, like boiled Mm -hmm. Brussels sprouts or whatever. Uh, (laughs) It doesn't take a ton of time, doesn't take you hours and is relatively affordable. And so that's one thing that I'm like working on, like experimenting like a ton of different recipes. Second thing is um, I'm trying to write music right now. No, Um, that's what don't you do, man? What don't you do? (laughs) So, so believe it or not, um, Kevin, um, Kevin from the event, one of the people who ran it, he's actually, uh, he's part, he's partly like a rapper and uh, him and I are trying to figure out like, how do we take the messaging that we've learned around like 
mindset, like self-development, mental health. And how do we bring that to the masses in the form of like an extremely consumed format, which is music. And so, and extremely powerful too. And so, oh, hell yeah. yeah. Good. That's all. Wow. Wow. Go ahead, Ashley. So, how can you? Uh, Got to stay busy, man. <laughs> man, mine is not, mine is not as cool as your guys. I, uh, <laughs> no, I've been geeking out on this, uh, on this series called The Last Kingdom. Uh, it's like about like Vikings and all that oh, stuff. My wife so that's, that stuff. Yeah. that's been something I have binge recently. My husband also like, we're way late to this, but decided to start watching The Mandalorian. And I realized like, wow. Hell yeah, really, you did. Yeah, it was, it's really cool. And I'm not like a huge Star Wars person, but I, I dig. I know I dig, uh, I dig the Mandalorian. And then, you know, I guess in terms of like my life, I've really gotten into, I've, I've over this past year have, have realized the absolute power of nutrition and taking care of my body and, uh, and taking care of my mind. I have gotten really into in the, over the past month, uh, using different, um, dietary supplements to also help me like manage mm. some of my health and anxiety. So, uh, like supplementing with like a really good high quality fish oil and oh, uh, yeah. magnesium and, uh, vitamin, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, K12 and, you know, vitamin D3 and all that stuff. So I've gotten really into that recently. Um, and also that's learning awesome. how to, how le learning how to get more of that in my foods as well. So that's, mm. I, I actually have to ask you, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go no, ahead, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, can I say three things about what you said, Ashley? Um, sure. Number one, I, uh, I love that. Ideally, yeah. I mean, if you can get it from your food, that's best. But a lot of foods that we eat don't necessarily have them. Mm -hmm. um, I talk about the study in my book that was actually done by the Department of Justice, where they took um, veterans who had killed themselves and they did brain scans on their brain. And basically what they found was that um, if you don't have... Uh, an abundance of uh, omega-3 fatty acids, which is what fish oil is. Mm -hmm. It's also like in, um, it's, it, yeah, it's predominantly in fish. It's like in some other things, but it's mostly yeah. fish. Um, you have a 62% increase in suicide. Wow. Um, which is crazy. Yeah. That's I could crazy. send it to you if you want. The other thing is like, I, I take, I supplement with magnesium too. I actually supplement with it. And, uh, magnesium is one of those supplements that, um, because a lot of these supplements, like when you take them, it's not like you're, you're supposed to feel mm -hmm. anything. But what I found, at least for me, magnesium is one where I definitely feel less anxious. Yeah. And the last thing that I'll say is that I, like a few weeks ago, I interviewed Dr. Daniel Amen. This guy mm -hmm. is like one of the top neuroscientists in the world. He's like Justin Bieber and Miley Cyrus's mental health doctor. Oh, and he nice. told me that all mental health issues have one similarity and that is being deficient in vitamin D, which you get mm. from sunlight. Wow. And then also you get it from fish, you get it from eggs, you get it from some animal foods. Um, so yeah, it's super interesting. You said that I'm sorry. I've, I just heard, I've heard that the like magical trifecta is my magnesium, vitamin K 12 and D three taken at the same time in the morning with fat. Uh, you know, so mm -hmm. when you're eating breakfast, yeah. it's supposed to be like the magical, uh, you know, trifecta. So I've been, I've been trying that out lately. And then, you know, obviously my fish oil. It's so, so yeah. powerful. I, I have yeah. to do that. It's funny how my last name's Gil and I don't even like fish. So go figure. <laughs> well, yeah, um, then you should definitely be taking fish all oil. All right. So I can ask, I can ask you one thing. Now, if you're sure. on, a, you know, you're in a deserted island, would you rather be with Ma the Mandalorian or Baby Yoda? I have to know. Baby Yoda all day. Ah, Baby Yoda, all the women yeah. love the, how could the you Baby not? Yoda. I just Baby Yoda his little face. Oh, yeah. I said Mando all day. But anyway, <laughs> Uh, Mark, I want to thank you for being on. I want you just to plug your socials, website, book again quickly. Yes, please. Yeah. Um, 
honestly, probably the best spot is for people to uh, check me out on, um, on uh, just like my website, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y.com. People can check out my book, Screw Being Shy, anywhere they get books, uh, my podcast, LinkedIn, Instagram, all that stuff. And I appreciate you guys. This is a fire podcast. I had so yeah, much fun. This is great. Thank this you so great. much, Mark. All right. We'll, we'll talk to you all and stay safe, everybody.